Yes, yes. Welcome into the Chiefstone Podcast. Thank you guys for your patience. I'm Farzine Vasugian, your host of the Chiefstone Podcast. As I promised last week, only one episode this week of the Chiefstone Podcast. This was due to me being out of town over the weekend, being in Las Vegas. And uh, now I'm back. Hope you guys missed me. Maybe. Yes, no. If you're listening, that means you guys missed me. So that's a good thing. So appreciate you guys downloading and listening to another edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. Always love it when you guys interact with me on social media. You can do so on Facebook, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine, or search my name, Farzine Vesugan, and you will find the page. Give it a like, interact with me on there. Let's have fun. Let's talk Chiefs football, non-Chiefs football, whatever it is, uh, whatever I post on the page. Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll have fun with it. And you guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 on Twitter. Give me a follow and let's talk on there as well. Uh, a lot to talk about this uh, this episode. It's going to be a longer pod- podcast since it's only uh, one episode this week. Uh, we'll, of course, recap the game. I, I'm not going to get too much into it. Uh, I'll still give my thoughts on the game as the Chiefs did exceed my expectations in that game on the road against the Oakland Raiders. Uh, but not too much uh, since it, the game. I mean, it's it's kind of. Uh, I mean, it's a long distant memory now that you, everyone's already moving on to the Saints. Uh, a lot of activity this week for the Chiefs. Some good, some bad. We'll touch on all of that later on, and then of course we'll preview the Saints matchup, and then of course we will go out of bounds around the NFL and throw some penalty flags for this week. Real quickly, uh, before I get into the uh, matchup between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Uh, as I mentioned, I was in Las Vegas uh, uh, this past weekend. Uh, great time. I had a lot of fun. I watched the Chiefs and Raiders game at a sports bar because they didn't have it regionally. And e- even if they had it regionally, there's no way I'm sitting in my hotel room to watch it. I mean, the Venetian's nice. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, I mean, it's Vegas, man. you got to go out there, find a place to watch a game. And uh, a funny story, uh, my family and I, we were uh, supposed to go twice earlier this year Uh Literally at the last second, uh, we had two urgent matters come up right be- like the night before and the day of our flight. So we actually had to call it off the last two times, but we ended up going. And uh, th- there's a place that I really wanted ch- to check out, and I'm glad it-, it just turned out we ended up going to Vegas during football season. So it was actually an even better opportunity to check it out. It's uh, it's at the well, not the Venetian. It's actually at the Palazzo. There, I mean, it's the same as the Venetian. They're owned by the same people. Uh, Legacy's Stadium. That's where I went to watch the Chiefs and Raiders matchup this past weekend. I got to tell you, if you are in Vegas, go to the Palazzo and go to you make a reservation. Whether it's for an NFL game, a baseball, whatever it is, go to Legacy Stadium. I'm telling you, it's. It's basically Buffalo Wild Wings on steroids. It really is. I mean, if you love Buffalo Wild Wings, it's one of my favorite sports bars. The A10 zones, those are all great, of course. Uh, but this is this is your favorite sports bar times 10. It's arguably one of the best sports bars I've ever been to, and I suggest you go. It's an incredible time. I mean, there the TVs are everywhere. There is not a bad seat in the house at Legacy Stadium. Uh, I even actually took uh, one of their uh, beer cups as a souvenir just because, I mean, it's, it's a great place. I definitely want to go back for a UFC fight uh, sometime. Uh, you know, if there's a big fight that they, I, obviously, Ronda Rousey's coming back. I, I'm not going to go anytime soon because I was just there. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, man, if, if you go, whether it's for a Chiefs game or Royals game, it, that happens to be on TV, 
you gotta go. Uh, it's uh, it's a fun time. Uh, I saw a couple Chiefs fans there, mostly uh, Cowboys and Packers fans, because that was the big game that was on during the late afternoon games. Uh, and of course, I mean, it just makes sense. There are more Packers than Cowboys fans out there. Uh, I ran into a Raiders fan, just had a conversation with him, and uh, I don't know exactly how many beers he had, but he actually said that he was going to go to the sports book uh, and uh, try to bet on the Chiefs and Raiders playing each other for a third time in the Super Bowl. Um, man, I, I was kind of hoping to make that bet with him, just like just a man-to-man bet right there. Uh, I would have bet everything possible because, well, we all know why that won't happen. But anyway, uh, I, and I have to admit, I'm not too big on gambling, even sports gambling. I, I, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with how it all works. I know there's the spread and all that good stuff. Uh, I, I, I just, to me, it's not that interesting because you you have to put a lot of money in order to win big and if your favorite fighter or your team disappoints you you know it's kind of a letdown and, and you lost a lot of money I, i'm one of those people where if i lose a quarter I, i'm done i i'm pretty frustrated but um yeah i mean definitely go check out lagasse stadium uh you've got to go uh even if you don't have a favorite team that's playing on tv at the moment when you're there just go uh trust me you will not regret it uh it's a little pricey uh, just a heads up i don't want to hear uh some hate tweets from from anyone uh but 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 it, it's worth it trust me go it, unfortunately you can't go with the kids it seems like a kid friendly place but because there is gambling inside uh the sports bar uh, it's a 21 plus sports bar, but trust me, it's a fun time. You've got to go. One other quick story I do want to share. I went to, uh, I'm a Lakers fan. Obviously I don't get to see many Lakers games in person, but I went to T-Mobile arena, brand new arena, beautiful arena. Loved going there. Uh, I got a chance to catch the Lakers and the Warriors in a preseason game. And it's just funny seeing Kevin Durant get booed in the first couple of possessions when he had the basketball, kind of like LeBron James, when he went back to Cleveland for his first game. I've got to say, man, uh, Golden State, they're good on TV. In person, it's just like, it's like you're watching a magic show when you watch this basketball team. How the hell do do they do everything? I don't know. Even with Kevin Durant now in the mix, it's going to be crazy just to see what this team can do. And I'm actually going to talk about what some people around the NBA have been saying about the Golden State Warriors. I'll save that for... The out of bounds segment, a little teaser there, but nonetheless, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get off my Vegas story and uh, talk about the Chiefs' win over the Oakland Raiders. Really huge win for the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I'll, I'll tell you what, this football team, I, I, I can't, I can't predict the Chiefs came to save my life this season. I think I've only gotten one or two games right this season. I think only one. I think it might have been that Jets game. And I'll tell you what, this Chiefs team. Say what you want about weather and, and the, you know, going on the road. The weather affects both teams. Now, could weather give one team a better advantage? Yes, but not by a whole lot. I, I truly do feel like as sports fans, we look at rain and we think that we think that it, it heavily gives uh, one team a, a better advantage. I, I truly don't think so. Yeah, sure, a rushing team like the Chiefs, when, when you have Spencer Ware and just how great he's been this season. Uh, Jamal Charles, of course, uh, you know, you'll know you take that any, almost any running back duo in the NFL today. 
but for the most part, I truly do believe that weather is looked into. People look into that way too much. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you can see rain coming. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm sure there are people on the team uh, for the Chiefs. They may have one of the assistants do it. Maybe Andrew does it himself where they closely pay attention to the weather forecast, uh, read the local news, whatever it may be, just so they know what they're getting into. Um, unless it's an indoor uh, stadium that they're going to be playing in. So and that's something that both teams, I mean, the, the, both the Raiders and the Chiefs knew about it. So those are conditions that you just have to get used to. And for the Chiefs, uh, they went out there and took advantage of it. And the Raiders just fell flat in the second half. It was kind of a nice game in the first half. The second half, uh, I've got to admit, slightly boring. But uh, look, uh, I'll take a boring win over a loss anytime, And that's exactly what the Chiefs did in this one, improving to 3-2. and two. Uh, Oakland falls to 4-2, and two, so the Chiefs... Now just a half game behind the Broncos and the Raiders in the standings and the Chargers trying to catch up a little bit. Uh, still uh, a lot of room to make up, but that was a big division win for the Chargers over the Broncos and the Chiefs got a big one over the Raiders. So the two teams that are in the bottom of the AFC West came out on top against two very good football teams. The Broncos kind of falling back in the mix a little bit with a two-game losing skid and the Raiders... I mean, this was an opportunity for them, and I don't know why the Raiders haven't been really good at home this year. Just only one win out of three opportunities. Uh, this Raiders football team, uh, they're no joke. I still have them winning the AFC West this year. But for the way the Chiefs went out there and picked up that win, you've got to be happy with what they did and how they handled that football game. Alex Smith, first of all, the offensive line, because that's where it all starts. The offensive line gave Alex Smith all the protection he needed. I think uh, it was Eric Fisher who allowed the only sack of that football game. And on top of that, Alex Smith threw the ball 22 times, had just three incompletions that entire game. Hell of a game for Alex Smith. And again, say what you want about the dinks and dunks and the way the this offense o- operates. Is it exciting? No. Uh, you know, you want to see those deep passes, kind of like how Alex Smith did last year. Again, I, I attribute that more to the easy schedule, but still, it was more exciting to watch. Uh, but still, like I said about the, the final score itself, I'll take uh, dinks and dunks that lead to a win rather than just completely losing. Anyone will take that, or you'd be crazy not to. Only three incompletions for Alex Smith. In this football game. And Spencer Ware had a hell of a game for himself. 24 carries. 131 yards. Jamal Charles got involved a little bit in the mix here. Uh, just a really good game for Jamal Charles as they're trying to ease him back in. Uh, 9 carries, 33 yards, and a touchdown. Also had a couple of catches for 14 yards. Uh, Chark Hendrick West also getting involved a little bit. 3 carries, 19 yards. Uh, uh, I don't think he caught any passes in this football game. wasn't even targeted uh, by Alex Smith. But overall, uh, you've got to like what you saw, saw from the rushing department. Oh, and don't forget, Dontari Poe also had uh, what was a rushing touchdown. I, at first, I thought it was a pass. It was a setup screen, but because it was a backwards pass, a lateral technically, that ended up being a rushing touchdown for Dontari Poe. Essentially, it's a it's a halfback toss. Uh, to uh, to your wide receiver, who is really your defensive tackle, and Antari Poe. So, um, 
a really great play by the Chiefs. Well, technically, I guess he was a tight end in that mix. Because uh, the Chiefs do run that play quite a lot with Travis Kelsey. So, uh, they knew what they were doing with Dontari Poe. And by the way, a statistic that I, I truly never thought I would ever read on this podcast. And here I am, I'm, I'm about to say it. This tweet was sent out by Michael David Smith uh, on Twitter. And he wrote, heaviest players with multiple career touchdowns. Sam Adams, uh, who weighs in at 350 pounds. Uh, he has, I, I don't know exactly how many. Uh, but he's, he's the heaviest to have multiple touchdowns in the NFL. Second on that list is Dontari Poe at 346 pounds. To give you an idea who else is on that list. Jonathan Ogden is on that list. Sean Rogers, Refrigerator Perry at 335 pounds. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and for 335 pounds, it's not a lot compared to Sam Adams' 350 or Poe's 346, but still, uh, I mean, Perry, Refrigerator Perry looks huge at 335, so, uh, there it is. Dontari Poe now, uh, second all-time, uh, in terms of heaviest players with multiple touchdowns in an NFL career. That's a cool stat, uh, why not? Speaking of cool stats, uh, a little off-topic here. I saw this from ESPN uh, Stats and Info on social media, and they're usually accurate. I mean, they're accurate. I think they have a lot of people who triple-check everything, but Brock Osweiler did come back against the Indianapolis Colts, and ESPN Stats and Info put out a really interesting tweet that said, Win-loss record when trailing by 14-plus points in the fourth quarter since week 11 of 2015 Brock Osweiler is two and two. The rest of the NFL quarterbacks are one and ninety-six. That one quarterback out of all the other ninety-seven opportunities right there, that one guy is Alex Smith, and that comes from Week One against the San Diego Chargers when the Chiefs came back and that uh, and that crazy overtime win. So uh, again, it's a really weird stat that ESPN put out there, but. That one guy is Alex Smith, just so everyone knows. I, I wish they kind of made a note of that. I know Twitter, 140 characters, whatever. Uh, but it would have been nice to kind of make a side note somewhere, maybe a follow-up tweet, just to note who that other quarterback is. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm letting you guys know that is Alex Smith. So kind of a cool stat to know uh, from ESPN Stats and Info. But as far as the game, uh, nothing too big through the uh, th- uh, through, through the passing attack. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, three catches, 49 yards. Nothing too big. Kelsey also had three catches. Uh, nothing too big from Travis Kelsey in this football game. I actually had a couple of people tweet me where he was. Uh, I, I said he was watching his own TV show, and a lot of people thought that was the funniest joke ever. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a pair of catches in this game. Chris Conley had three catches. Uh, again, nothing too flashy through the air. Well, the nice thing about Alex Smith in the passing game was that he was able to, again, only have three incompletions. But he distributed the ball very well in this football game. Ten different players, or pardon me, nine different players, caught a pass from Alex Smith. Anthony Sherman was targeted, but did not catch a pass in this game. That's pretty good. And you compare that to Derek Carr, who again, I spoke very highly of him. I still think highly of him. I mean, one bad game, you're not going to... You're not going to throw the guy under the bus and say he's horrible, but to give you an idea, Derek Carr, he distributed the football to 
seven different guys. Now again, is nine a lot? Uh, I I don't know. When you when you have an offense like Oakland's, uh, who again he threw the ball to Amari Cooper ten times for 129 yards. Do you really need to be distributing the the football to other players? I mean, not really. Michael Crabtree again is one of your big guys, but had a very quiet game. Cooper, by the way, was shut down completely in the second half, and that kind of goes with Oakland not scoring anything in the second half either. So. Kind of nice to see from the from the Chiefs in this football game. Defensively, uh, like I said, you know, shutting them down in that second half. Derek Johnson really came through to kind of put put the game away, or as Mitch Holthus would say, put the hammer down. A, a pair of tackles for a loss, and also caught uh, Derek Carr when he was trying to go on that last play. Uh, that Oakland had possession of. So that was good to see. D4 also got involved in this football game. Finally got to see more of D4, which is nice to see. He got a pair of sacks in this match. Uh, Again, really good to see. And of course, uh, and Derek Johnson commented on this one, but Marcus Peters getting that interception early on after the Raiders marched easily for that touchdown on the opening drive of the game. Uh, That lifted the, the defense. Derek Johnson attributed that to Peters' fifth interception of the season. Just a great year for Marcus Peters, who is really picking up right where he left off last season. Leading the league in interceptions with five right now. So, again, he's starting to improve more and more. And, again, say what you want about the weather, whatnot. You you prepare for this. And, again, I still think it's, it's looked into way too much. Derek Carr, with the exception of that first drive... He couldn't really do much more against this Chiefs defense. And Marcus Peters was a big reason why. And that's good to see, especially with a guy who has struggled against a lot of quarterbacks, especially good quarterbacks, giving up a lot of yards, and really kept the Raiders' offense in check and didn't allow Derek Carr to torch him and have fun with Cooper and Crabtree. Because, listen, Cooper and Crabtree... I'll take those two receiver. I'll take those two as my number one and number two wideouts over a lot of wide receiver duos in the NFL today. Because, like I mentioned, Cooper's one of the league leaders in touchdowns. Crabtree in, uh, or pardon me, other way around, Crabtree and touchdowns. Cooper in receiving yards. And that's what you need with this offense. It's a it's a pass heavy league, and the Chiefs haven't really made that transition yet. I mean, they're they're still uh, one of the very few run-first teams in the NFL, which is fine as long as you're winning, as long as you find ways to win football games. That's totally fine. And that's how Andy Reid's offense operates. As long as it's working and giving you victories at the end of the day, look, I'm not I'm not going to complain. But if you want a, and again, it's going to be interesting because. With Alex Smith's contract, it gives the Chiefs plenty of room to make a switch this offseason. That's a different story for another time, but that's something the Chiefs may look into. And maybe even keep Nick Foles around and have him be the primary guy. Who knows? But the Chiefs should look into maybe another key wideout this offseason. But again, going back to what I was saying earlier... Cooper and, and Crabtree, I mean, that's a great wide receiver duo. And the Chiefs definitely took care of business against those two guys. More so in the second half. Amari Cooper really did tear this Chiefs team apart in the first half. But the Chiefs 
able to keep him away from the end zone. That's what matters the most. Listen, you can give up as many yards as you want. There are, this is the number one total offense and number one total defense. You know, those statistics, not necessarily misleading, but I, I, I think as fans, we can't necessarily just look at those stats and think that's the only thing that matters. And I'm talking just total offense and total defense. Because total offense doesn't mean you're the best if you're number one in terms of yards. That just means you have moved the ball more than anyone in the league. If you're 32nd in in total defense, you're not necessarily the worst defense. That just means you've given up the most yards. Now, again, if you have allowed more yards than anyone else, are you more bad than good? Yeah, more likely so. But, again, keep in mind, I remember the Minnesota Vikings around 2006 through 2009. They were one of the best teams in the NFL when it came to stopping the run. Number one uh, just about every year. But that pass defense was awful. And that's what a lot of teams did. They stopped running the ball against the Vikings, started throwing the ball as quite a lot in the Vikings, listen, teams get more passing yards than they do rushing yards in a game. Very rarely is it the other way around. I mean, if it's the other way around, it's probably a record-setting day for that running back. So, you know, common sense, common logic would say pass the football against a team like the Vikings from 06 to 09. And that's what a lot of teams did, and that's why the Vikings didn't win a lot of their football games during that during that stretch until they got Brett Favre. And, of course, when they added Jared Allen in that trade with the Chiefs, became a better team. My point is, don't take the total total yards too... Don't, don't take too much into that. Overall, I don't have a lot of compa- complaints. Even special teams, yeah, sure, slippery, a little bit. You, you can give Cairo Santos a bit of a pass there, but Tyreek Hill had a big kick return in this game. Uh, also a big punt return, too, that one for 50 yards. Almost took it to the house. No penalty that time. Uh, thank goodness. So uh, just a good day for Kansas City on all three facets of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, was there a little bit of room for improvement? Yeah, sure. Of course, the Cairo Santos kick. Uh, again, I, I, and that's not a big excuse uh, because you know what you're getting into uh, with those slippery conditions. Uh, the defense, the first half, yeah, again, could, could have improved, but they made those adjustments. And that got to give Bob Sutton a lot of credit. I mean, he's really the MVP of this game for being able to make those adjustments. Otherwise, this could have been a game where both teams were scoring in the 20s and Oakland may have come out on top in this one, uh, especially with the home field. Uh, having the home crowd behind you, that could, that could have definitely been a factor. So uh, good for Bob Sutton and that Chiefs defense. Offensively, not too much. Uh, again, I would have liked to see a more dominant passing game, but uh, the Chiefs don't, just don't have that in their uh, in their arsenal. They, they don't. And uh, this is the offense I think that we have. I, I think it can improve through the, as, the, as the season goes along, but... I, I don't think it's going to be any, anything booming. I mean, you're not going to see Jeremy Macklin be consistently catching 100 yards each each game. I mean, you're just not going to see that. But you'll see him pull through every now and then. Same with Travis Kelsey. Uh, I mean, those are your uh, end zone threats uh, out of all your wide receivers and tight ends. Sure, Spencer Ware and, and when Jamal Charles gets acclimated more and more when he gets uh, used to the feel of playing again, those guys are definitely going to be targets also. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs move forward now that Jamal Charles, he, he's trying to 
make his way back in. You know, you you, you kind of lose a step or two when you're gone for so long, almost an entire year or so. Jamal Charles kind of getting a feel back, uh, getting his feet wet, uh, definitely did that. The, the, the Steelers game, I mean, don't need, I, I don't even want to use that as an example. The game was already lost at halftime, or even in the first quarter, I'll say. And by then, is it even worth using Jamal Charles that much? Might as well save him. You had the you had the bye week and let him rest even more. He he came in a little bit late in that game, but you know I mean for the most part they rested him, which was a smart move. I got nothing else to say about this football game other than look, this was a really good Raiders football team. Uh, this was no cupcake win for the Chiefs. I know the Raiders have been viewed as one of the laughing stocks in the NFL. This is not that same Raiders football team anymore. Uh, the Chiefs got a by far their biggest quality win in Oakland, I don't know how long. Sure, I get it, the Chiefs winning over the Raiders, it always feels nice, but this was an actual team. This was a good Raiders football team. And again, I I would have to look back, I I didn't bother to check into it, it didn't even come to my mind until now, when was the last time the Chiefs got an actual quality win in Oakland. And it's been a long time because this Raiders football team has been bad forever. So this was a this was a huge win for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this was definitely one of those meaningful wins. And I've criticized Andy Reid and this Chiefs team the past three years for not getting quality wins. A lot of their, a lot of their wins. Almost all of them have been against really bad football teams. Teams below 500. Very few times have the Chiefs won a football game against a team above 500. And this is one of them. And hopefully there's more of that moving forward because the Chiefs do have a lot a lot of good teams on their schedule that they're still going to be facing this year. Just looking down the line with what the Chiefs have coming up, of course the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I, I know the Saints haven't been that dominant team that we've seen the past couple of years, but you can never count out Drew Brees, and I'll get into that more and more later on the show. Carolina Panthers, I get it. Uh, the Panthers, uh, they won the Super Bowl, but they're not... As great this year, I, I still don't. You can never, you can never overlook a team with their bad record. I mean, they're the reigning Super Bowl champions. You still have to keep that in mind. The Kansas City Royals this year weren't as good as they were last year, but no baseball team could have played the Royals and just thought badly of them. I mean, they're still the reigning champions. They still have that championship fire in them. And look, I, I don't doubt that. Cam Newton and the Panthers are doing something to try and fire him up and just try to remember the fact, look, we are reigning champions. We've got to do something about it. Uh, of course, you've got the AFC West, and I think this is a very competitive division here. Right now, you have three teams above 500. Uh, the Chargers, uh, a much better team at home. I haven't even won a road game, but look, that win against the, the Broncos. I know every, time, every now and then, uh, a bad team will pick up a, a win when they shouldn't have. Or and maybe not shouldn't have, when they were at least expected to. That's a better way to put it. Uh, but you, still, you never know. I mean, those division wins, uh, those can really fire up a franchise, fire up a team, and uh, next thing you know, uh, that could be the, the turnaround. That could be a trendsetter for a team. A couple other teams that the Chiefs are going to be playing this season, and a lot of NFC South teams that they still have to play um, after the Saints and the Panthers. Uh, of course, you, you've got to go up against the Bucks. Uh, not uh, a great offensive football team, not a really good defensive team either, but still managed to pull out a couple of wins this year. The Falcons, 
I mean, that's a team that's that you've got to be ready for. They actually lead the NFC in total points. And maybe the, even the entire NFL. Yeah, the entire NFL, now that I look at it, uh, lead the entire NFL in, uh, in points. So uh, that's definitely going to be a, a game that you've got to have your defense ready for. And the Chiefs do have some... Uh, some secret on defense where they're well equipped to to go up against a team like the Falcons later on this season and even the Saints uh, like I said uh, I'll get into why that Saints team again still despite their losing record not a team you can really just look at and think that you'll you'll have an easy win against them so overall you've got a couple of tough opponents coming up later this year that you've got to be ready for and again record wise no uh, there aren't a lot of devastating teams. I mean, this Raiders football team, and I'll, I'll even throw the Steelers in there as well, despite their recent struggles, uh, those are probably the two toughest teams you will play, especially on the road, and the Chiefs got both of those games out of the way. Uh, again, I, I know what I've said. Just I, I alluded to this, and I've said it in the past. The Chiefs haven't had a lot of quality wins, but look, if this is how your schedule is set up, you're, you're never going to apologize for winning in the National Football League. So, uh, do what you can. Get these wins right now because when you can pile up one win after another and the Chiefs have not had a streak this season, uh, winning or losing, hopefully they can build a winning streak. If they can start doing that, which I think is doable in these next few games, really, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself either leading the AFC West or at the very worst... In the playoff picture, which is where you want to be. So the Chiefs have got to do something. And again, my biggest issue with this football team through five games in six weeks, including that bye week, of course, that they just came off of, we haven't seen any consistency. Just going through the first five games, win against the Chargers, lost to the Texans, win against the Jets, lose to the Steelers, you go on your bye week and you pick up a win against the Raiders. So obviously it's an up and down season for the Chiefs each week, depending which week you look at it. And you want to see consistency with this football team. And if this defense can do that this week, and if the offense can just take advantage and get a couple of touchdowns, get a couple of field goals, just just keep that take advantage of what the defense might be capable of doing. Next thing you know, and again, if the if the Broncos fall on Monday Night Football to the Texans. The AFC West is completely wide open then. You know, I, I thought this was going to be a, a runaway between the Raiders. Well, I, I just thought it was going to—it was the Raiders. After the first couple of weeks, you saw what the Broncos were capable of, exceeding all of our expectations. And by the way, I said reigning Super Bowl champions uh, with the Panthers. I take that. I meant reigning NFC champions. Broncos, of course, are the ones who, who are the reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, but overall... This AFC West, again, if the Broncos continue to lose and drop their third straight game, the division's wide open again. I thought it was going to be a runaway race between the uh, Raiders and the Broncos after the first couple of games. But now we've seen the Raiders fall a little bit lately, the Broncos are back in the pack, and the Chiefs have caught up a little bit. If they can, like I said, build that streak, collect some wins, you're you're going to probably lead the AFC West by the time November comes. So that's going to be huge for the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's really what this team needs to do. Find a way to be consistent. 
And again, I, I'm not a football coach. I don't know why the Chiefs team hasn't been able to be consistent. They definitely had a winnable game against the Texans on the road. Weren't able to, so I mean, you can't dwell on that too much. But you still have a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunities to find football games. Add them in the one column. And again, I, I'm not saying it's a cupcake schedule. Uh, I, I still think a lot of these teams, like the Colts. I mean, the Colts again, uh, kind of looking a lot like last year. But with Andrew Luck, can you ever take this team? Easy, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. They're one of the better scoring offenses in the NFL, so definitely not. And again, you know what Andrew Luck is capable of. Hopefully the Chiefs can find something. Hopefully they can get into a rhythm because getting into a rhythm is huge. I mean, that's when you find your consistency. And next thing you know, when you string together a few wins... It's, it's going to help this team quite a lot when it comes to December. If this football team can do that, if this football team can find a way to string together a few wins going into December 8th, that's huge because that is the start of a three-game homestand for the Chiefs, including two primetime games against the Raiders on Thursday night and then the Broncos on Christmas night. If I want an NFL schedule... In December, I want Kansas City schedule in December. And that's, of course, assuming that they're able to go on a roll, really. Here's who they have. They have the Saints, Colts. Let's look at this real quickly. Saints, Colts, Jaguars, Panthers, Buccaneers, the Falcons, and the Broncos. Or pardon me, I take the Falcons back. The Falcons are in December, so they've got got six games. Six games before the month of December. If the Chiefs go 4-2, and two, they'll of course have a record of 7-4 and four going into December with four games left, oh, five games left. So I'll say this right now. If the Chiefs can go 4-2 and two in their next six games, that is going to be golden. If you're 7-4... and four, Going into that month of December, starting with the Falcons on the road, then playing the Raiders, Titans, and Broncos at home, then finishing off the season on New Year's Day in San Diego. If the Chiefs can go into that month with seven wins, I would almost put my money down that they are going to the playoffs. Whether it's as division winners or as a wild card, one of the wild card spots, I don't know exactly. I think it's going to be a very tight race between the Raiders Broncos and Chiefs. I, I didn't think the Broncos were going to give the Raiders a run for their money. I thought I really thought the Raiders were going to be in first place from start to finish, but it seems like the Broncos are better than what we thought originally. And the Chiefs, a lot of people got about into the hype. I didn't, but it looks like we're going to have a, a three-team race uh, in December, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And if the Chiefs, like I said, if they can go 4-2, and two, that, that's the magic number for me. In the next six games, if you can pick up four wins... Going into December, that's going to be key, especially when the Chiefs have that three-game homestand. And if I'm if I'm a better, I'm putting my money down on the Chiefs. I said earlier I'm not into the whole sports betting deal and whatnot, 
but I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna feel really confident about Kansas City's opportunity uh, chances really making the playoffs. All right, a lot of news this week coming out of Arrowhead with the Chiefs. Uh, first off, we'll start with the bad news and then go to the good news. Uh, Alan Bailey and Justin March both placed on IR, season-ending injuries. Uh, just tough, especially for Alan Bailey, who has been so good and has grown so much with the Kansas City Chiefs the past couple of years. This year wasn't his year, and then, of course, uh, just just struggling all around and then the shoulder injury this past week, and that's going to keep him on the sidelines for the remainder of the season. And Justin March also heading to the IR as well. Uh, and a lot of moves made this week by the Kansas City Chiefs. They also ended up cutting uh, one of their uh, players, Nick Williams, and ended up adding four players to the active roster. They signed Kendall Reyes, defensive end, uh, and then from the practice squad added Rakeem Nunez-Roches, uh, also a defensive end, and then linebacker Ramik Wilson and cornerback Terrence Mitchell, uh, part of the 53-man roster. And one of those guys could go back to the practice squad once uh, Justin Houston, which again, going to the good news, uh, once he becomes available, Justin Houston is taking part in football organized practices now. I mean, he was just kind of doing the warm-ups and not, not a lot of football activities, but now uh, getting more active uh, during practice with the football team. Uh, has not come off the PUP list quite yet, but he's able to practice. I mean, he's able to participate when uh, everything the rest of the team's doing, which is huge. Like I said, with uh, with what the Chiefs need to do the next six games, and then for the month of December, if Justin Houston's back in time, by the time the team starts their schedule in December, that'll definitely be a big boost. And hopefully Jamal Charles, I mean, he'll be back in his old form too. So the Chiefs really need that for their football team. Uh, losing Allen Bailey again, I know how he wasn't having a good season, but you still got to have your your best guys out there. And, uh, you know, a big loss. Yeah, I'll call it a big loss. But hopefully Justin Houston can come in and uh, make up for that void uh, somehow on the defensive side. Uh, again, we saw a nice game from D Ford. You know what you'll get from Tom Bahali, who, of course, had that fumble recovery this week. But... Are you going to get that same D Ford each week? I mean, we haven't seen that, and he's kind of kind of coming up more and more as a bust. Yeah, yeah, sure. One really good game against the Raiders. You know, I'm not I'm not ready to uh, send him to to a Pro Bowl game yet, but you just don't know if you're going to get that week in and week out from D Ford. Another piece of news: the Chiefs did trade. Niall Davis to the Green Bay Packers. The Chiefs, according to ESPN, received a conditional 2018 seventh round draft pick from the Packers. Uh, I'm not going to call it a loss. A lot of people are saying the Packers added depth to to the running back spot. I mean, yeah, sure, maybe they did. I'm not going to go too much into Green Bay situation, but I will say it is kind of interesting. I still think Niall Davis is a good return man. And you also have Randall Cobb in that mix in Green Bay. Of course, he's the primary return guy. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they use those two. I mean, maybe if they trade off every now and then, let Niall Davis take over for one or two kick returns. But anyway, for the most part, you know, I'm not I'm not sitting here uh, scratching my head. It's no surprise that he has been traded. I thought he was going to get cut at some point, but the Chiefs were able to get a draft pick out of that, which is good. 
uh, a seventh round pick, uh, I, I don't know. I understand he was a fourth round pick, but I, I don't know any team in the NFL that is willing to give that up for Niall Davis, a, a player who had a few flashes in 2014, but has always been known for his fumbling. I mean, that's what we know him for. And of course, it was it was showcased last year against the New England Patriots, where in a really crucial time in the second half, uh, right after the kickoff, uh, coming off halftime. He fumbles uh, on that uh, offensive play right there. Had that nice catch and run, but couldn't hold on to the football all the way through the play. Not a huge loss for the Chiefs, especially when you when you consider what they did this past offseason in bringing back Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West. And, of course, you're not going to let go of Jamal Charles. You're expecting him to be back on your football team when he recovers from his uh, ACL injury and. Of course, now he is back uh, playing more and more uh, as uh, he plays more games. Had a couple snaps against the Steelers, a lot more against the Raiders. And uh, we're going to expect to see more against the New Orleans Saints. So, not a loss for the Chiefs to me. Uh, Again, I will say the whole seventh-round pick thing. Former players have spoke out, and coaches, that the seventh-round pick, or whatever the last pick is in the draft, the last round is really the worst for a general manager. A lot of times, they just pick somebody because they just have to. So, uh, would have preferred maybe a fifth or a sixth, but again, like I said, I can understand teams not wanting to give that up for a guy like Niall Davis. All right, I definitely want to get into this game between the Chiefs and the Saints. And look, I'll start off with Drew Brees because when you think of the Saints, you immediately think of Drew Brees and head coach Sean Payton and everything that those two have done for that franchise the past few years. Brees, of course, no shocker to anyone, being in the top six in these four categories, completions, yards, touchdowns, and quarterback rating, thrown just four interceptions so far this season. Uh, Again, no shocker to anyone. I mean, it's Drew Brees. He's doing what he's always done. Uh, But this team has only come away with two wins this season, and that's due to their horrendous defense. 31st in the NFL in in total defense. Now, again, like I said, that stat doesn't always show everything. It doesn't tell the, the entire story. What tells the entire story is this statistic, points per game. Because let's be honest, you can be number one in total defense. You can be number 32 in total offense. But what matters the most is how you score, how much you score. And for the Saints, they're dead last when it comes to scoring defense. The worst in the NFL, 33.6 points per game they have allowed in the NFL this season. Whereas the Chiefs, by the way, one of the better teams, allowing 20.4 points per game. Chiefs, one of the better scoring defenses, by the way, the past few years in the NFL, and have done a really good job keeping teams away from the end zone, uh, whereas other teams have have allowed other teams to be excessive and burn up the scoreboard. That's great. I mean, if you're Kansas City, yeah, I mean, you look at their offense and what they're capable of, I mean, they can definitely move the football. And with Drew Brees, I mean, that's no surprise. I'll I'll get into the rest of the offense in a moment. But if you're Kansas City, yeah, sure, you're going up against one of the better offensive passing teams, more more passing attacks in the NFL. And again, it's funny with, with the Saints being dead last in scoring defense, they're second in scoring offense. Whereas the Chiefs kind of have, I mean, they're kind of in the middle of the pack in that category 
And like I said with the defense, they're one of the better teams when it comes to scoring defense. So this is kind of a funny matchup when you look at the Chiefs and Saints going head-to-head with scoring. But this Chiefs defense, man, I'll tell you, uh, I mean, they definitely have what it takes to kind of slow down this this Saints offense. And again, you if you were to give me this game last week instead of the Raiders, you guys heard me talk about this Chiefs team going up against the Raiders and basically how I just downplayed that, that the Chiefs are on both sides of the football. And I've got to say, that game kind of gave me a new mindset with this Chiefs team. And hopefully it doesn't come back to bite me in the butt and then next thing you see is that inconsistency because we're tired of seeing that. We really are. The Chiefs have what it takes to slow down this uh, the, the Saints team. You've got Tom Bahali, who's one of the best pass rushers in the, in the NFL today. Again, I'll, I'll throw D Ford's name in there if he can do if he can be consistent, which I'm I'm not really holding my breath for. But if he somehow comes through and if he can make a turning point in his career to just help this team and really just help his career too, then you've got a, a, a pass rush. And by the way, Marcus Peters he leads the NFL. And interceptions with five. And I'll even throw this guy's name in there. Ron Parker. Who again maybe he's kind of gone under the radar to a lot of people. If you're a Chiefs and you've noticed this. Statistically he's not necessarily having a Pro Bowl type of season. Uh, and I say statistically. It's funny because these statistics don't come up on on uh, NFL.com. But Anyway, what I'm about to read is a little misleading, but Bleacher Report mentioned, and I don't want to say misleading, it's it's taken differently by a lot of media outlets, and it's a pass deflection stat. Bleacher Report says that he leads the, he's tied first in the NFL in pass deflections this season. Now again, if you look at pass deflections and tackles, what an NFL team has on record is different than what ESPN.com or NFL.com might have on file. But either way, you can Bleacher Reports. Are, I mean, they're 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 a viable source. So you you can take that and you look at the defense. What you have, this is what I alluded alluded to that the Chiefs have what it takes to slow down the Saints team. This is a Chiefs defense that I think is really starting to come together more and more. As again, I we saw this against the Raiders this past week. If the Chiefs can do that against the Raiders. They can do it against any any passing offense. They really can. So I've got to say that 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 Chiefs win over the Raiders on the road. And again, say what you want about the rain. I I don't care, man. Uh, like I said, I'll say it again. I, I still think fans look into that way too much. Teams still air it out even even in bad weather. And for the Chiefs to be able to do that against the, the Raiders, slow them down. I think they can do it again against the Saints. You've got Mark Ingram, who's having a good season for the for the Saints and the rushing attack, but no one else has really come through. As far as through the air, this is where, again, Drew Brees, he's been able to get a lot of players involved. Brandon Cooks leading the team in receiving yards with 428. He and Michael Thomas both each have three touchdowns on the season. Kobe Fleener, one of the underrated pass catchers, in my opinion, in the NFL, has a pair of touchdowns, 237 yards, and it has a really good QB and Drew Brees to work with, of course. Uh, but again, you look at Michael Thomas, who leads the who leads the Saints uh, with 17 first down receptions. That's a guy you've got to keep an eye on and try to keep him away from the end zone too, because he's one of the end zone threats for for the Saints. 
And by the way, one note on Drew Brees, he did have a 98-yard touchdown pass earlier this season. That went to Brandon Cooks, who, again, a big reason why he leads the team in receiving yards. But Michael Thomas is still one of their, their primary guy when it comes to the passing attack. He leads the team in receptions and first down uh, uh, catches, which I mentioned earlier. So uh, Cooks is leading the team in, in receiving yards, statistically speaking, but with that 198-yard catch, that kind of helps him be uh, the leader of that statistic. It, to me, uh, this passing offense, uh, Michael Thomas is still a big part of that. So that's who the Chiefs need to keep an eye on, as well as Cooks. I mean, he, he can't go unnoticed either. Uh, but again, like I said, if that pass rush is there, guys like Cooks, Thomas, and Flaner, I mean, they're not big threats to Kansas City's defense if Tom Bahali and the rest of the front seven can get there and terrorize Drew Brees in the backfield. Now, if Drew Brees, if he has a lot of time in the pocket, the Chiefs do have some defensive backs who can come through. Eric Berry, of course, one of the better uh, cover safeties in the NFL. Uh, you know you can rely on him against the pass. Marcus Peters, starting to see more and more improvement from him as the weeks go on. So you know you can rely on him more times than not nowadays uh, against the pass. He's not going to allow a lot of yards like he has last season in his rookie year. Did a little bit early on in the first couple of games, but he's improved in that category. And he's a machine when it comes to picks. So uh, more more times than not, I, I guess you can rely on him to come up with a pick. He's not going to get one every single game. But at this rate, the way, the way he's going, especially as he's already set the record for most picks in the amount of games he's played so far in the NFL. By the way, he has more interceptions alone than the Saints do since the start of 2015, which is crazy. So you have Marcus Peters able to do that for you on defense. And I also mentioned uh, Ron Parker, one of the league leaders in uh, pass deflections, which is a huge statistic. Again, I know it doesn't come up like tackles, interceptions, sacks, but pass deflections, I think down the road, they're going to have more of these stats available on ESPN and NFL.com. Uh, of course, you have it on your premier fo- pro football focus sites and a few others uh, that have those premier stats, but... This is another defense that, again, I mean, they've got what it takes defensively to slow down this high-powered Saints passing offense. Looking at the Saints defense, Cameron Jordan, probably their best player on defense, has two and a half sacks. Nick Fairley, who lines up right next to him on that defensive line, leads the team with three and a half sacks, but Jordan's been able to consistently get to the quarterback more, pressure the QBs more, and being a defensive end in this in this 4-3 scheme, I mean, that's that's no surprise. That, that's expected. B.W. Webb, he's a slot corner, but one of the better slot corners in the NFL. He, he's up there with, with Nelson, too, and I, I think that, that this kind of sets up an interesting matchup. If Tyreek Hill goes up against him and who gets the... Who gets the best uh, there? And I think Tyree kills capable of doing that. Uh, by the way, the Saints have just two picks this year. Webb has one of them. B.W. Webb has one of them. Uh, and then uh, Sterling has the other one. The defense has eight takeaways. Six of them fumble recoveries. I mentioned the two picks. Uh, but most of their takeaways have come through fumble recoveries. And that's really it for this uh, Saints defense. There's not a lot of positivity. I, I mentioned with the total defensive, the amount of yards they give up, the amount of points they surrender to opposing offenses. How do the Chiefs come out on top? Because, again, this Chiefs offense hasn't been great this year. What can they do to kind of get over that hump and, a- and have a big game 
offensively because this is a huge opportunity for the Chiefs to kind of light up that scoreboard. Offensive linemen kind of played a little bit better, especially against a very good Raiders pass rush. Again, uh, Alex Smith, the 22 pass attempts, got sacked just once. Again, in that, in that area, if you want to look at the weather so much, uh, you would think the pass rush would have uh, the edge there, but they didn't. Travis Kelsey, kind of a quiet game last time, but still, uh, I, I think right now he's your best offensive weapon uh, and Jeremy Macklin's not too far behind. And if Jamal Charles, he continues to get more and more snaps, uh, more face time, uh, this is a guy who's going to probably take over and be the best offensive player on the football team. I'd like to see more of Tyreek Hill and Chris Conley uh, just getting involved. I mean, they're, I guess they're active. I mean, they've get a, they've gotten a couple catches here and there. But to me, I, I kind of want to see a big game from your number two wide receiver or your slot receiver for that matter. And... That'd be huge for the Chiefs if they could get that, uh, especially with the speed. And, and really, the Saints aren't quick with their secondary. So this is an opportunity for the Chiefs to showcase that speed and gash through the Saints' defense. They definitely have the ability to do so. The Saints haven't really proven that they can stop anybody. Uh, but this offense, again, the Chiefs, they haven't proven that they can dominate either. So... Which one comes out on top? Do we just end up seeing uh, the Chiefs score a few points? Not bad, not good performance for both the Saints defense and the Chiefs offense. I say the Chiefs offense can go out on a bit of a tear here, especially with what you've seen Spencer Ware do. But I think they've got to use Spencer Ware more through the air than on the ground. Of course, the Chiefs did the complete opposite this past week against Oakland, which worked just fine, which worked. But I think this time around, you've got to see Alex Smith use Travis Kelsey a lot more, use the running backs a lot more, which he does. But I think this is a time for him to do to do it even more, especially with the weakness the Saints have on defense. The opportunity to throw the ball to Macklin or Conley on the defense, I think those chances will come, and he'll get a couple of those. But for the most part, you're going to see a lot of passes thrown to the tight ends and the running backs in this football game. So I think that's where Alex Smith is going to really dominate. So... The defense for the uh, uh, going back to the offense one last time quickly. I think that offensive line just needs to do its job the same way they did against the Raiders, and Alex Smith will do what he needs to do, and I think he'll be able to succeed in the, in his job right there. The defense, like I said, I think the defense not necessarily going to be an easy time, but you're not going to let the Saints go out and just score each time like they have. So I think the Chiefs' defense, they're definitely going to take care of business and hold the Saints to probably 20 to 25 points. Sounds like a lot, I know, but it's, again, the Chiefs have allowed, what, 20.5 per game. So if the Chiefs can keep it in that category and if they can take advantage of that weak defense, I think the Chiefs can go out there and score in the 30s, which we don't see much from this offense. Uh, we, We really don't. Even in that game when they just dominated the Jets, you didn't see the offense do a whole lot either. So hopefully the Chiefs, they can kind of change that this time around and uh, go out there and kill that Saints team and uh, show them who's boss. Especially at Arrowhead Stadium, you've got the crowd behind you. I think it's going to be a raucous crowd. I think the, I think Chiefs fans feel a little bit good about this team. Maybe not after that Steelers game, but for the most part this, t- this season, uh, this defense has been great. And... That offense just has to go out there and uh, do some damage. And if they can, 
I think this is going to go Kansas City's way. I'm going to say Kansas City wins this football game. I'll say 31 to 20. I think the Saints can do some damage to the Chiefs defense. Not a whole lot. Uh, I mean, it's the Saints, so you can never really put them put them out of out of consideration when it comes to trying to score against the Chiefs defense. But for the most part, I say the Chiefs go out there and win this football game by two possessions. So 31 to 20 is my prediction for the Chiefs in this game. All right, I know we're running long here, so let's go ahead and get right into it. Let's go around the NFL. All right, a story that broke out of New York with the Giants. Uh, Kicker Josh Brown uh, admitted to domestic violence uh, against his wife. Um, And, uh, well, this is his then-wife, I should say, now ex-wife. Uh, gosh, you know, there's new information, so the NFL has reopened their case, but this has kind of been just bad luck for the Giants when it comes to the PR. You had that incident with Odell Beckham Jr. and just everything, the media blew out of proportion. Now, I mean, this, there's nothing to blow out of proportion. I mean, he had admitted it, and the NFL is investigating this, and he could be in for a much longer suspension. Only... Took a one-game suspension last time because of very limited information. And now, the he will not travel to London, which is where the Giants are heading to next. And the Giants, I was listening to Ian Rappaport. I didn't even think about this. The Giants need to find a kicker, a new kicker, but also a new kicker that has a passport that would allow him to leave the country and then come back. So, uh, this is just bad timing for the, Brown, uh, for the Giants, I should say. Uh... Look, best of luck to the Giants in finding that in. Hopefully, you know, the NFL comes to the right decision. I, you know, I I don't know how players in the locker room would take this when they hear that their own teammate has committed domestic violence abuse uh, to another woman. And for a lot of people, especially with women in their life, this, this does, does not sit well with them. And I don't know if uh, Josh Brown would even be invited back to the to the Giants locker room. Publicly speaking, the players would say, oh, he's our teammate, we have his back, whatnot. Okay, yeah, sure, but let's not be foolish here. Everyone has an opinion on this, and many of them would probably think badly about Josh Brown and turn their back on him, and rightfully so. Okay, I gotta talk about this for a moment. The Oakland Raiders possibly moving to Las Vegas to become the Las Vegas Raiders. A lot of things are in motion right now that could make that happen. Now, the Raiders did say they wanted to try to stay in Oakland for at least a couple more years to try to bring a championship, but you know what? When you've got all these dollar signs and possibly a brand new city to, to play in, even if it's just a temporary place, it might be UNLV's uh, college football stadium just for the time being for those two years, uh, a new city might sound enticing, especially that stadium to get out of there. But as far as where they build it, uh, just from what I heard while I was there in Vegas over the weekend, uh, they talked about covering up one of the golf courses that is just south of the strip in Las Vegas. For those of you that have been to Las Vegas several times, you guys know where I, kind of where I'm talking about. It's kind of where that famous sign is uh, that says, Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas. So, I don't know. There seems to be some conflict because a lot of people like to golf there. I don't know. I imagine there are tons of golf courses in uh, in the city of Las Vegas. I don't think there's just one. Yeah, sure, there's one near the strip that a lot of visitors would want to go to, but come on. I mean, an NFL team or a golf course. Uh, I'll, I'll take the stadium 
over a golf course. And there's Top Golf at the MGM Grand. I, I I think that's more fun. I don't know. I, I'm not a big golfer. Uh, that could just be me. I, who knows? All right, time to go out of bounds. I mentioned earlier that I got to see the Golden State Warriors and the Lakers in a preseason game in uh, in Vegas, and it was it was it was nice. Got to see the Lakers, but also got to see the Warriors, a team that might break even more records, especially with Kevin Durant now on board. But uh, you know, I, I I saw an article and I got this uh, Bleacher Report notification that some NBA execs who are, remain anonymous they're actually hoping. For the injury bug to occur. They're, they're pretty much hoping for injury. Because that's the only way you could win. Look, I, I know in cases this has been wished for uh, by a lot of people. I remember a lot of people saying that the only way the Raiders would ever become relevant again is if Al Davis passes away. And, he, you know, is that true? Well... Okay, yeah, sure, but you don't necessarily wish you don't you don't ever wish that you don't ever wish bad. Now I know wishing death and wishing injury are two different things, but at the end of the day, you're wishing negative things to happen to someone's health. Really, you don't ever wish that. Listen, maybe easier said than done. Being a, a Chiefs fan, watching uh, Raiders fans from a distance, but. You know, as, as a Chiefs fan, I would just want change. I wouldn't want death necessarily. I know it wouldn't be realistic, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wish bad things upon somebody. NBA execs wishing injury on players. Come on. If it was the other way around, if the Warriors GM was wishing that the Lakers players or the Heat players were getting all banged up, I mean, it would be all over the media. Everyone would be talking about it. Here's the thing. As Ric Flair would say, to be the man, you have to beat the man. And w- listen, the Cavaliers weren't the best team, statistically speaking, last year. They took down the Warriors in a big comeback in the finals last year. Me personally, you know, in a perfect world, I'd love for all 32 NFL teams to be healthy. I, I would love it if the Chiefs went out there and defeated a healthier, I don't know, Jets team or, 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 or Chargers team. Of course, Keenan Allen did get hurt in that game. That made the difference. Sure, you take advantage of it. I'll, I'll say it again. Sports are part of, uh, sports are part of, uh, pardon me, injuries are part of the sport. They just are. They're a part of all of sports. And you just take advantage of it and you move on. Uh but, but you never wish it upon anyone. And I just think it's wrong that NBA execs wish that. Go out there and beat the team the way they are. Make yourselves feel good about it that you just went out there and beat a good, healthy team. Not a banged-up team. I mean, that's not impressive. Of course, it feels even better when you beat a really great team. I don't know. I, I just think it's wrong that NBA executives would wish that on on, on players. They're employees, basically. The, the reason people buy a ticket, they pay money to see your product. All right, college basketball polls have come out, and the Kansas Jayhawks are are ranked really high. Uh, number two, listen, I, I still think this is one of the best teams out there, but, uh, you know, knowing the expectation going into the season, I kind of feel like the expectations are a little high, and, and maybe... 
Maybe this is me, uh, just being me again. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm a hater for not believing in my team, so to say. Because um, I kind of felt this way about the Chiefs. But I don't know if I really buy into this KU basketball hype. Uh, at least not just yet. Uh, yeah, sure, they've got Josh Jackson. Great, talented basketball player who's going to be in the NBA next year, no doubt about it. But you don't really have a, a big post player. You've got Landon Lucas, but he's not your most dominant guy. Carlton Bragg, yeah, sure, he, he, he might. He might improve and make some strides as a sophomore this year. But really, outside of Frank Mason and Devontae Graham, I don't know if Kansas really has anyone big, I mean, that you can really rely on. Uh, keep Any key players. Yeah, Josh Jackson, again, of course, he's not a returning player, though. But I think he'll still, of course, make a lot of moves as a small forward or as a shooting guard. But... Uh, Svetsov, Mikhail Luke. Uh, I'm not not really too big. Uh, Evan Maxwell, one of the new faces on the team, really. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of holes on this KU basketball team than than some might realize. Just wanted to put that out there. Listen, I, KU's had a lot of early exits in, in the la- er, it, during Bill Self's time here, basically, and yeah, you didn't get one this past year, but. I think this upcoming season in the 2017 tournament, uh, KU will will suffer another early exit. Uh, unexpected by KU fans. All right, time to throw some flags. Okay, uh, Cam Chancellor was caught, and he threw a punch. Instead of tackling Devontae Freeman on a play, he threw a punch... Right in his face. Okay, actually not the face, it's the helmet. First of all, why are you punching someone? I mean, just tackle him. I mean, he must have... He better have done something really bad in order to to earn that. But, you know, there's a room for that. If that was Ndamukong Sue, who, by the way, is being reviewed for something that he might have done to Roethlisberger... If that was Ndamukong Suh, the NFL would have thrown a fine at him right away and suspended him. But, though the Seahawks, man, one of the better teams in the NFL lately. Chancellor, uh, no, they haven't looked into it yet. Uh, the league hasn't really said anything. Nothing's really come out yet. For, second of all, why are you punching someone? Why are you punching a football player when he has his helmet on? That's a great way to injure your hand, which you need if you're going to be playing sports. That's just ludicrous. I'll tell you what else is ludicrous. Uh, the Big 12. <laughs> uh, first of all, you can't call yourself the Big 12 anymore. You just can't. Um, second of all, the Big 12 did not expand or add any more schools due to... I, I, I guess not enough good candidates. Listen... Were you expecting the Alabama Crimson Tide to be available, or LSU, or UCLA, the Gators, Ohio State? No. Those teams, I mean, look, it's like free agency. People say, oh, well, the upcoming free agency, there aren't a lot of good quarterbacks, or... Of course not. A lot of times, those players are going to be franchise-tagged or traded by the time their contracts are up, because they don't want... I mean, you're never going to see a lot of great quarterbacks available in free agency. There are not a lot of great schools available because they're already with a conference. Listen, conference realignment really hurt the Big 12. 
But you can't use that as an excuse. You can't say that no good candidates were available. You can't. I mean, it's you have what you have out there as your options. Again, LSU. Look, they're not going to be available for you, nor Alabama. You've gotta. You've gotta try to bring in. First of all, if you bring in a school that's been part of a smaller conference, so to say. Guess what? When they become part of the Big 12, they just gain credentials automatically. A coach will be more enticed to want to come to a place like the Big 12. And players, too, because it's the Big 12. Sure, you will have to start from the ground and try to get on up, but a lot of programs have had to. You think Alabama was great all the time? No. You think the Kansas Jayhawks were always great at basketball? No. They had to build their way up, and and look where they are now. So, look, the, the, the Big 12 is a mess, man. And, and shame on Bowlesby, the commissioner. Uh, you you can't sit there and use that as an excuse. Bring in a couple schools. Make the Big 12, the Big 12, have 12 actual teams. Uh, going back to the whole name thing, I mean, how long is the Big 12 going to be called the Big 12 when they don't even have 12 teams? I get it, the Big 10, uh, I mean, they, they, they pride themselves off that name, especially with that logo. It's going to be a little weird for them to kind of change because they have more teams. Uh, I don't know, man. Conference realignment, that when it all took place a couple of years ago, uh, that was horrible for the Big 12. But you've got to deal with it, and you've got to find ways to adjust, find a way to add more teams. They obviously did a great job adding West Virginia and TCU. Geographically, of course, West Virginia is a little out there in the East Coast. But who cares, man? Just, just do it. what you need to do to... Try to rebuild your conference. Now, I don't think the Big 12 is going anywhere, but you've got to... Maybe it's management. I don't know. Overall, just a bad week for the Big 12 and their front office. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. Thank you for listening. A lot happening this week with the Chiefs. A lot of moves and uh, hopefully more wins coming to the win column. For the Chiefs. They need it. They really do. Next six games. If they can take four of those six going into the month of December, I'll tell you what, man. I, I, buckle up because it's going to be a fun ride. Uh, I think the Chiefs can do it. I'm, I'm starting to get more and more sold on this team. I'm starting to buy into the hype that a lot of you guys bought earlier on. Uh, I, I just have to see some things to, to believe it. Uh, and I'm, I'm starting to see it with this football team. If they can do it against a good passing offense like the Saints... Buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride in December. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, this Chiefs team could be in the playoff picture in a very good spot, too. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Please tell a friend about it. Interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine or search Farzine Vesugian. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Please do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already on iTunes. Tell a buddy about it. Always appreciated. And again, thank you guys for listening and also interacting. Let's keep that going. I'll talk to you guys this weekend during the game, and then we'll have the podcast back and running in its normal schedule twice a week next week. Again, I'm Farzine Vasugian. Thank you for listening to the Chiefs on Podcast.